It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. podcast the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on tv online and apps in episode 110 we discuss our thoughts on the partnership between sky sports and nbc 360 degree replays are coming to the premier league good news for apple tv owners who are fubo tv subscribers how the ratings for the u.s men's national team friendly did as well as an interview with TNT's uh, producer about the Champions League, plus the letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, the last time we spoke, a couple of weeks ago, you were in India, uh, getting ready to, to leave to go to London for a couple of days before heading back to the States. Now, for soccer fans in the United States who are used to you mean basically being inundated with so much Premier League coverage and coverage from around the world, really. You, you name it, any league you want, you can watch it on uh, streaming or, or television. What was it like being in London, just probably a couple of miles away from some of these stadiums, uh, on a weeknight in London? And what was the experience? I mean, did you feel connected or, or disconnected? No disconnected completely i mean this has happened i think we've had this conversation chris on this podcast and its predecessor podcast every time i've gone to the uk which is probably about a half dozen times since we started doing this show or more maybe uh, that it, that's just what happens because of sky because of bt because your premium channels uh, because also weeknight fixtures make it worse uh, you just those those matches are going on and there's a whole world going on um completely uh, uh Unrelated to it, a parallel universe almost, uh, even though uh, where I was, I was miles away from Selhurst. I mean, just although I don't think Palace was playing at home, but I was very close to Selhurst. I, I was near during the course of the uh, couple days, every, every other ground in London. So it was uh, it was a little bit surreal. And, and again, unless you seek out a place that has Sky, that advertises they have Sky, you don't really get uh, a chance to watch these games. And then the midweek matches make it worse, Chris, because there's no match of the day. So mm-hmm. um, the one thing you, you always have on the weekend, even if you're disconnected, is you do get match of the day, which is still, I, I think, a great experience. I think it, the analysis, the level of analysis from the likes of Alan Shearer and other match of the day is still higher than 
what you generally get on Sky. I know um, Americans are accustomed to getting the little bits from Carragher and Neville, which are good uh, from Monday Night Football. But in general, overall, uh, consistency-wise, the BBC uh, is better. Uh, match of the day, I believe the punditry is better. Uh, but you don't even get that midweek. So, uh, yeah, I, I felt very disconnected, to be honest with you. Wow. And and, and that's the thing, though, too. Wednesday, uh, just yesterday, we were recording this podcast on Thursday. On Wednesday, uh, Derek Ray began the broadcast of the Everton Man City game, starting out by saying that this game is not available uh, to viewers in, in the United Kingdom. Um, just to give you, just to illustrate how how big of a match this is, and no one on television can actually see it. The only people who can see it are the people at uh, Goodison Park in the stadium. Um, and the other thing too, even the Copa del Rey match, uh, Real Madrid against Barcelona, I believe that was only on eleven sports in the UK through streaming, which has which is on 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 kind of the brink of going of, of collapsing. Um, so it, it it is a surreal experience. I mean, kind of being there. In, in in a country or on a continent where there's so much soccer, uh, but but again, I guess for us in the United States and, and North America and, and around the world, really, uh, we've got it good. We've got it really good. Yeah, Chris, I feel like we've discussed this time and again every time you or I have gone to the UK, but for newer listeners and newer fans who may not know, you have it really good. Uh, and I would say that to fans in India, too. I mean, you have so much access to, to Premier League and Bundesliga in India. I know those midweek matches, I've already checked the program guide, uh, we're on in India uh, on um, you know, regular cable or satellite television, not, not on a premium channel that you're paying uh, extra, extra, extra for. Uh, but that's not the UK. And uh, I have always thought at some point there would be some sort of pushback against Sky uh, and now BT in terms of their lack of mobility uh, on mainstream televisions and, and mainstream for, for, for uh, terrestrial uh, TVs, but there hasn't been, quite honestly. And I, I, at this point, it's never going to happen. Yeah, and, and it's that balance, too, between uh, also the football leagues and the football clubs wanting um, I mean, spectators to go to the stadiums to watch the games in person. And they really feel that um, by having the television games I have the games on television that, that it would hurt that. At the same time, though, I mean, illegal streaming still is very prevalent. And for, for I, mean, I mean, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of soccer fans uh, in the United Kingdom, a lot of them are watching games illegally, uh, whether through pubs or through, you mean, laptops, etc. So th- that's already happening at the same time. But... Um, yeah, it's it is fascinating, Kartik. I believe uh, that that's the thing about Sky Sports News too, Kartik. Uh, we may as well go right into that. Is for listeners who watched uh, the transfer deadline day um, last week on the Thursday, uh, Kartik. I think you were traveling on the day, so you, you didn't catch uh, uh, stateside. But we got three hours of um, Sky Sports News uh, coverage for the first time in, I believe, six years on U.S. television. And we got three hours of uh, NBCSN coverage with Rebecca Lowe and uh, the analysts. And I, I've been watching Sky Sports News for the last six years, on and off. Um, went through different periods where I'd watch a lot of it. And 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 to me, it, it's really bad television. I mean, last Thursday was a perfect example of this. Is that? You I mean if there's not much going on in the transfer window, which there wasn't, the, one of the biggest stories of the day was Peter Crouch moving from Stoke to Burnley. I mean, first of all, the whole transfer deadline day in general, that whole thing as 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 a news item, is really a dud. It's been a dud for years. That nothing really happens at that stage. Most of the big clubs do their deals earlier 
in the window, if not before the window. And then once the window opens up, they kind of announce that deal. Um, so that's the first thing. The second, the second thing is, is the actual coverage is just so tedious, uh, so sensationalized by Sky Sports News. Um, it's really just overdone. It's choreographed. You have like Jim White pretending to be on, on a phone, on, on a mobile phone, talking to an agent or talking to a manager. And the whole thing is just so fake. I, I just I just thought it was the most boring, overdone, just piece of crap I've seen in a long time. And I'm disappointed that NBCSN, I, I guess they have to in a way, maybe, maybe with this partnership, look for ways to kind of work together. And I, I don't know, I just thought it was a really bad decision by NBCSN to have six hours when they knew nothing was really going on. It was just wasted television. Kartik, uh, what's your response? Uh, my response is that Sky just doesn't give me much, right? And my whole and NBC, thanks to Comcast owning both, that you might see uh, NBC begin to, r- to rub off on Sky in terms of how they present, uh, the type of analysis they give, the strength of the analysis, etc. Yeah, I mean, hopefully... Hopefully that happens. One of the things that did happen this past weekend, and I missed it, and it's actually in the list of mailbag, is that uh, Neil Ashton and Andy Townsend um, did did a segment. I believe it was on on the Sunday morning. Uh, I missed it, um, so I, I don't know what that was. Andy Townsend's pretty pretty good. He isn't one of my favorite uh, analysts. Uh, Neil Ashton is is fantastic. Uh, Neil Ashton and Andy Townsend have worked together a lot in the past on, um, I think, the Sunday Supplement on Sky yes. Sports, which is a really good program. Which is which usually... is one of the few Sky, sorry, yeah, the few Sky shows uh, worth watching. Honestly, about football, absolutely, and and a lot of it is because of Neil Ashton in terms of him leading the show, asking some thought provoking questions, and getting some good good uh, analysis out of uh, out of the pundits or journalists that are uh, on that show. So hopefully that we'll see more of that. Hopefully we'll see more of Neil Ashton and maybe some other uh, former players or pundits. Um, but, but but going back to Sky Sports News, the transfer deadline day for just for one second. Um, it was it was comical. The arrival of pizza on the set was one of the few moments of excitement on the set. They got so excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, the pizza has arrived. And then you have a picture of, um, yeah, you see footage of Sam Allardyce eating the pizza. It, it just, <laughs> there was like nothing going on where, oh, gosh. Um, but, but, but that's the thing, though, too. I think there's ways for NBCSN to tap into Sky Sports to get some of their better thought-provoking analysis out of Sky. Um, Jamie Carragher, of course, and Gary Neville are two that are not always the greatest, but but oftentimes we'll, we'll have some good debates there. Hopefully we'll get some of those. Uh, I, I'm sure those two guys are really busy anyway, though. But um, but that's that's my fear. That's that that's I think the the fear that I have is that Sky Sports might dilute the value and quality of NBCSN's coverage, which for the most part has been um, I mean, fan- fantastic. So the key here is is Sky Sports uh, punditry, Sky Sports uh, programs. Are they going to complement and enhance uh, on the out, uh, on the outside or in addition to what NBCSN already offers, or are they going to uh, supplant some of MB- NBCSN's current offerings? Uh, are we going to get more punditry from uh, Sky Pundits in replacement of Earl, uh, Martino, and Musto? If that's the case, if that latter scenario is the case, I don't want any part of it, right? Let's, let's make sure that does not happen. I think, if anything, uh, UK audiences, uh, 
as snobbish as some can be about anything coming from the United States in terms of this sport, would be very impressed if they saw Robbie Musto, Kyle Martino, and Robbie Earl uh, giving the analysis and commentary they do uh, about Premier League matches. So I, I'm hoping maybe it's the other way around. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, a good example of this where Sky Sports could have benefited from NBC's um, analysis and expertise on transfer deadline day was the biggest signing of that week, which was Miguel Almiron from uh, Atlanta United uh, Major League Soccer to uh, to Newcastle United. And you could see on Sky Sports News on the transfer deadline day that they were fumbling. They didn't know anything about this guy. I think you had Carlos Carvajal, the former Swansea manager on the set, uh, giving his analysis, which wasn't much. Uh, some of the pundits were describing him as uh, a striker. You mean where he's yeah, right. so 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 that that that's a perfect instance where you can say, hey, you mean let, let's let's go over to one of our NBCSN uh, experts. Let's go to uh, Robbie Earl. Hey, hey, Robbie, what's your? What, I mean, what have you seen from Miguel? What type of player is he? How can he contribute to Newcastle United? Um, and, and then that's good quality. That That's something that, that definitely is advantageous to Sky Sports and the relationship with NBCSN. But my thing is, is that NBCSN and Sky Sports are at complete polar opposites in terms of the way that they cover the sports. So NBCSN is very, uh, a little bit highbrow at times, but very, very, very clean, very smart, very uh, analytical. Sky Sports News is the opposite of that. It's a lot of hot takes. It's a lot of uh, sensationalized uh, drama. It's a lot of um, it's it's very it's very fake in many ways too. I mean, I mean, so 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 how those two work together will be very very interesting to see over the coming months because there is a way to tap into each other, but hopefully by a, uh, hopefully NBCSN is, doesn't uh, go down a level because of Sky Sports News. Yeah. Real quickly on the Almiron thing, I mean, this is how perceptions, uh, wrong perceptions get created in the UK. Because Sky kept describing him as a striker, Chris, uh, the perception then became among general fans and even other broadcasters and other journalists that uh, Almiron was a striker, he was a goal scorer, uh, he was a guy that uh, uh, Rafa Benitez in Newcastle had signed uh, because maybe Salomon Rondon isn't scoring enough goals, which he probably is scoring enough goals, and Iosi Perez, who's now playing on the wing, isn't producing enough. Uh, in fact, he's a creative central midfield player, uh, and I don't know how they got this wrong. Um, and clearly they, they didn't even bother. I know they have a lot of contempt for Major League Soccer and for the U.S. in general in, in some quarters in, in Sky Sports and, and the U.K. media. But to not even do the basic research and allow this thing to fester for days was uh, – this is one instance where I do side with those American – uh, print journalists and American co- uh, people who cover MLS who seem to be outraged by the way it was covered in the UK. Uh, they, they got his position and his role completely wrong, uh, mm-hmm. which is, is crazy. I, I don't know. Uh, and again, you're right. You just throw it to Robbie Earl for three minutes. He could have corrected that, and the perception never would have spread within the UK. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's the thing, though, too, is that um, by, 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 I mean, British coverage, <clears throat> pardon me, British coverage of, of the game of soccer, uh, it depends who you go to. I mean, some of the coverage is really bad. Uh, some of it is, is really good. Same for the United States. I mean, depending on which uh, outlet or which media company or website you go to, you, you live and learn over, uh, as time goes on to figure out, OK, who's actually uh, got the eye on the game and is, is actually watching what's happening versus uh, who isn't. And, and, and for me, 
Sky Sports News, or Sky Sports in general, uh, feels very much like talk sport. It's very focused on the the working class person. It's focused on uh, on the mainstream. Um, the level of analysis and the level of um, well, the, the level of analysis really is aimed at kind of kind of the working class. It's not meant to kind of be more higher level. It's not meant to be more thought provoking or analytical. It's very much trying to reach your target demographic, which is then also trying to, I mean, get to the advertisers, the advertisers who like to, I mean, get to that target demographic. So, so in many ways, I think someone like Graeme Lasso, who is more thought-provoking, uh, more, more intelligent, really. Graeme Lasso, I mean, isn't on Sky Sports News that much, isn't on Talk Sport that much. He's on NBCSN. And that's for a reason, because basically NBCSN sees the value of someone like, like a Graeme Lasso. Um, and Lee Dixon, somebody else too. Lee Dixon, that's, you mean, he's, you can see him on the BBC, you'll see him on ITV, you'll see him on uh, NBCSN. But you don't really see him much, uh, if at all, on Sky Sports News or on um, Talk Sport. You see him on Premier League productions, which are for for overseas audiences too, with Lee Dixon. Exactly, exactly. All right, Kotick, let's move on to uh, what you've been watching. What was uh, any standouts? Was there any one particular program or one particular game that stood out for you as your as your game or, or program of the week? Well, let me say for me, the program of the week was uh, my London Fort Lauderdale flight uh, flying back from the UK after not seeing you know football. That was going on uh, a walking distance from me in some cases, or you know, long walking distance from me, uh, was Bobby Robson more than a manager? You talked about this uh, a few weeks ago or months ago when you saw the documentary. It blew me away. Um, and uh, now I learn it's the last day I could have seen that documentary because I flew on G- uh, January 31. On um, February 1st, or did I fly in February? Whatever the case, by, by the a few days later, um, a colleague of mine took the same flight, and it was not on there. It had been replaced by another documentary. So yep. I got the opportunity to watch this. I think um, it tells us so much about not just Sir Bobby Robson, but some of the characters whose lives he shaped, uh, whether it was Billion Ronaldo, whether it was Jose Mourinho, whether it was Gaza, um, and the way Gaza, even with all of Gaza's problems, still talks about and thinks about Sir Bobby Robson, whether it was Alan Shearer or Gary Lineker or, or Pep Guardiola even featured prominently in that documentary. Obviously, Guardiola being a Cruyff uh, disciple, but you know, has, has a lot of time and respect for, for Sir Bobby. Uh, it, it was just outstanding. And it was the production level, the way it was done, the way it was presented, which is the key to any documentary. But then also just those testimonials and those uh, personal interviews. I do warn the Legion of Manchester United fans who have a hatred for Jose Mourinho not to watch this documentary because it may make you feel – oh, and by the way, Sir Alex is quoted extensively in it as well. But uh, it might make you feel a little softer towards Jose. It gave me that feeling. And I've never – I've always been a critic of his. But, um, yeah, there is a human side to Jose Mourinho after all. And you see it uh, throughout the two hours of this documentary. Yeah, definitely. So, so for those listeners who are interested in that, I believe it's still on Netflix and it is highly recommended. It's really good um, for those people who remember Bobby Robson or who, or who don't. Uh, for me, what came out of this film, other than kind of how he touched uh, Jose Mourinho and Pep Guardiola in terms of their coaching styles, was, was, was about the man, the man Bobby Robson and just how much of a really kind of just uh, larger than life, but, but really, 
I guess the word would be just 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 a honest character, somebody that that you could feel that you'd have an attachment to, that you would admire for all the things. He was a great man. At the end of the day, he was a great man, and this documentary really kind of uh, tapped into that big time. So highly recommended on Netflix. There, for for me, Kartik, um probably the match that I was pro- match or program that I, I really enjoyed the most this past week was Leeds United against Norwich City in the championship and uh, first against second in the table Norwich City looked fantastic and, and uh, Norwich I mean if they keep on playing like this they're going to be going up back up to the Premier League and uh, I mean the, the thing about this one too Kartik for me was that uh, the Canaries are just so good defensively and they made it very difficult for Leeds to, to really kind of penetrate the back line um, and as we know, watching Leeds United this season, one of their, I mean, one of their assets has been their attacking side of football, creating so many chances, scoring many goals, uh, but being vulnerable in the back. And as we saw in this game with uh, with Puki from Norwich, uh, he continues to make such a big difference for the Canaries. And uh, I, I think Leeds will be okay. And I, I know on Twitter, I think you were posting some things that uh, you were kind of concerned, but I think Leeds will be okay. But Norwich City looks fantastic. And then Kartik, uh, what about the uh, USA Costa Rica game? Did you get a chance to watch any of this? Yeah, I thought it was pretty. Um, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, I, I, I think for me, the big takeaway, regardless of Fox's coverage, and, and I thought there were just some clunky aspects uh, to Fox's coverage. Although I did, there, there were parts that were uh, that were that were quite good. Um, I thought the, the big takeaway was how the U.S. played. I mean, stylistically, what I've tried to watch of Burhalter in the last couple of months, watching old crew matches, I saw a lot of that in terms of passing principles and, and, and positioning. So that that was the real interest for me. As far as Fox's coverage, it's it's what you would expect. Um, I do think, uh, however, that that. Um, it was a little awkward putting this match on Big Fox. I'm interested in seeing the television rating from it, but uh, I because because it was essentially a B friendly or an A minus friendly. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll get that. We'll get to that in the TV rating section. Uh, one more before uh, from me before we go on to the next segment, and that was Barcelona against Real Madrid in Copa del Rey uh, match on Wednesday. Um, this one was unfortunate, really. For a lot of the viewers that watch uh, BN Sports, the English language channel, is because right before this game, we had the uh, PSG uh, French Cup game, and it went into extra time. So as soon as this game ended, which was about you know like two fifty nine p.m. Uh, Eastern time, uh, and with uh, Copa del Rey kicking off at three o'clock, there was maybe like a minute maybe of, of pregame, which it wasn't really a pregame coverage. So I kind of felt we missed out on this one big time in terms of the pre pre-game coverage, the discussion, the analysis, uh, the build-up, the hype, all of that stuff was gone. Um, and the match itself was pretty decent. Uh, wasn't the most entertaining match. It was um, some good football, but uh, it now sets the stage for the uh, the second leg in a couple of weeks and then the uh, El Clasico in the league a week after that. So, But um, all in all, um, enjoy the game. Real quick thing I want to mention is that uh, Monday pregame show hosted by Derek Gray uh, on NBCSN I thought was outstanding. They brought Steve Bauer in for his usual Monday segment, but they allowed Steve Bauer to interact with Kyle uh, and and Robbie and and actually Bauer posed questions to them and, and get really kind of a, a, a what felt like a roundtable discussion of f- four people: uh, Derek Gray, uh, Steve Bauer, 
uh, and uh, Kyle and Robbie, instead of just the general, okay, uh, 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 Derek is going to ask Steve questions. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I, it's the first time I've seen them do that. And I hope they continue that with their Monday segments. It's also just good to see Steve Bauer and Derek Ray, both on our televisions, uh, two of the, the elite commentary voices, in my opinion, in, in uh, uh, the English language. Yeah, that's that's great news, especially because sometimes, uh, oftentimes, it would be Steve Bauer talking for about two or three minutes, giving his kind of uh, his analysis, and then back to the studio, and it'd be like, say, Rob, Robbie Musto saying, like, "Well, as Steve uh, Steve said, blah 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 blah," uh, with no opportunity kind of for a back, a back and forth. So, so that's encouraging there. So, th- things are slowly uh, they're they're trying to finesse and find ways to improve the coverage, which is uh, definitely um, complimentary. Let's hope it rubs off on Sky. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to TV streaming news, Kartik, and I'll have you kick it off. Uh, yeah, uh, so ESPN Plus now has over 2 million paid subscribers, double the number from five uh, months ago. We just got this news yesterday. And uh, uh, part of it is uh, UFC, as, as has been speculated. But I think part of it might be also the FA Cup, uh, which... Uh, debuted in this time period, in this five-month window where uh, they doubled their subscribers. Absolutely. So uh, the next news item is that BN Sports has announced that it's moving forward with additional legal action against Comcast uh, through the uh, FCC due to Comcast's unwillingness to negotiate concerning the restoration of BN Sports to the Comcast platforms. Um, as most of our listeners know, BN Sports was removed from Comcast and Xfinity platforms in July. Uh, and then that, that's really denied uh, subscribers access to you mean, La Liga, Copa del Rey, uh, Copa Libertadores, so on and so forth. So this is interesting because that, that, that uh, Comcast about a month ago, a month and a half ago, went ahead and um, basically made an. Uh, they went ahead and fi- filed with the FCC. Now they're coming back again and actually um, look. It looks like legal action. So they're, they're getting more and more serious with Comcast. Uh, Comcast at the end of the day, it's one of those things. It's um, the the rates that BN Sports is offering Comcast is the same rate as before. Comcast, as far as I know, is not um, taking any calls from Bean Sports. They've they've stopped uh, communicating with them, and Comcast really hasn't come out with a strong reason why they don't want Bean Sports on their on their programming. Um, why is it? What's the reason? It's not because of cost, because it's the same cost, but is it because of other reasons? Is it because that Comcast owns NBC Universal? which owns NBC Sports, which has the rights to the Premier League, which is the La Liga's number one competitor um, in terms of you know, the technical uh, European soccer. What is it? So Comcast has been very silent about this, but with uh, being sports pushing uh, with the FCC and now this legal action, it'll be interesting to see what Comcast come back, comes back with or what F- the FCC comes back with in terms of trying to get um, being sports back on Comcast. Hi, Kartik. Uh, what's up next in news items? Yeah, so Fubo TV uh, is now integrated with Apple TV's app, giving iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV users easy access to their favorite shows and movies on demand, as well as key matchups in the NBA, NHL, Premier League, UEFA uh, Champions League, Liga, and much more. This makes Fubo TV just the second live TV 
TV streaming service to launch with the app as well as with Siri, which is coming soon, uh, with a single sign-in ahead of DirecTV now, ahead of Hulu, uh, Sling, YouTube TV, etc. cetera. Uh, it's just so cool, all these new things that have been integrated in, in the likes of Fubo for the last couple of years. It's more than just a, a streaming service where you just randomly get uh, matches or, or whatever you're looking for. There's so much more to it now. In the next news item, uh, for those listeners who have watched La Liga and have noticed whether it's a game from uh, the Bernabeu Stadium or from uh, the New Camp or other stadiums, oftentimes in those big stadiums in La Liga, you'll see 360-degree replays. So not only will you see the replay of what happens in, in a goal, but then maybe a minute or two later you'll see an actual 3D where the, the camera goes all the way around and you get to see from different angles exactly what, what, what's, what's happening, uh, what happened in that instance. Well, now the good news is that, is that uh, Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester City have uh, leveraged uh, Intel's technology to capture every match element from every angle uh, with this 360-degree type of technology. It uh, recreates the action on the pitch and presents that from an ideal vantage point or players' perspective using Intel's uh, unmatched uh, uh, data processing capability to deliver the experience to fans. So beginning March 10th, uh, this technology will bring fans closer to the action. Uh, From what we understand, uh, the Premier League, in terms of uh, their coverage of games uh, that are going to be at these stadiums, they will have access to this technology. And we'll have to wait and see uh, if and when and how they use it but uh, so in the coming weeks or the coming months, expect to see some really great technology that we can see uh, through NBCSN because of the Premier League, but also worldwide on, on the world feeds of the Premier League games. So this is going to be something to k- keep an eye out for. And from La Liga, when I've seen it on La Liga, it's been some inc- incredible technology, too. So uh, looking forward to seeing that. And Kartik, one last piece of news. And this came out early this morning, just right, right before the podcast. Uh, this is really interesting. Yeah, so just breaking news this morning, about two hours ago, uh, we learned that UEFA is launching its own OTT service, its own streaming service, uh, but it will not be available in Europe or North America, at least until 2021, with the current uh, rights cycle for broadcasters in, in Europe and the U.S. and the U.S. it's Turner, of course, uh, expires. So, uh, But this is exciting news. Uh, there's some speculation that UEFA could launch something similar to what American sports leagues have launched in terms of um, – NBA match pass and things things like that, uh, which would be, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, kind of cool and, and uh, huge for UEFA competitions, especially as they're launching a third, uh, potentially a third club competition and also have Europa League, which gets less uh, coverage on, on linear television and on regular television uh, than, uh, than the uh, Champions League. Yeah, and, and this is not available in North America or Europe, um, but uh, UEFA TV, when it launches later this year, uh, in about six months from now, it will uh, have also have the capability, if they wanted to, to go ahead and show non-UEFA competitions. So it's not all about UEFA. So UEFA said, okay, yes, we will look at uh, the different competitions that we own, so the Nations League or the Champions League, and looking at, say, I don't know, Nigeria is one example, just just a hypothetical example. In Nigeria, UEFA TV might launch with a Champions League package after 2021 and say, okay, anyone who wants to subscribe and watch the Champions League, subscribe to UEFA TV, you'll get access to that, as well as maybe um, 
the Nigerian league or whatever leagues are available to them that UEFA thinks that they can package together and offer that as a product to those people in Nigeria or whatever country it may be. So it's um, a great test, I think, for UEFA because they can see in terms of having that direct-to-consumer, cutting out the middleman, really, having that direct-to-consumer subscription package and offering whether or not this may work. And starting it outside of North America and starting it outside of Europe gives them the opportunity to test it, to figure out how to make it work. And then eventually, perhaps, maybe in the future, when TV rights become less valuable and when they can actually make more money through a direct subscription to consumers, at that point, maybe they look at North America and Europe and say, okay, now we're ready to launch UEFA TV uh, globally. All right, Kartik, uh, moving on to TV ratings. Um, some interesting numbers this week. Uh, one of the big ones, or actually the biggest one we saw, was uh, Club America against uh, Querétaro. Uh, this was in the Liga MX, and this was uh, 845,000 viewers watched this game on Univision and Univision Deportes Network combined. Uh, then we had some of the other, the other numbers. So we had, for example, Manchester City against Arsenal on NBCSN on Sunday. Uh, 653,000 viewers, uh, so on and so forth. Actually, um, Leverkusen, for the third week in a row, the Bundesliga is uh, over the 100,000 mark. And we have Leverkusen against uh, Bayern Munich. This one was on um, uh, Univision Deportes Network, uh, 129,000 viewers. But the big story, Kartik, to me, was something I posted on Twitter this week, and that is a comparison between... The TV ratings for the USA, Costa Rica, uh, friendly on Fox, on over-the-air Fox. Uh, and on the same day, the ratings for Cardiff City against Bournemouth on NBC over the air. And uh, the, the Cardiff match kicked off at 12.30 Eastern Time. Uh, USA gets, I think, about, was about 3.30 Eastern Time. More viewers tuned in to watch Cardiff against Bournemouth than they did USA against Costa Rica. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it was because it was uh, it was a V friendly during a non international date, and quite honestly, I um, I stumbled upon the USA Costa Rica game for some reason. I thought it was a, a prime time match and had DVR'd it on FS1 because I guess they were showing a replay. So I didn't even know the time. And then when Footmob notified me that the game was start kicking off in 15 minutes and the lineups were out, I thought it was. Kind of weird. Are they taking the lineup from the previous match? And uh, uh, then I, it occurred to me, hey, check uh, check Unimas um, and, and check uh, Big Fox. And I ended up watching it. Uh, some of it on Big Fox, some of it on on Unimas, uh, which at three thirty Eastern. But I did. I wasn't even aware of when the match kicked off, which I thought was a little bit of an odd time on the West Coast. But again, they were doing it for television, and that does not seem to have. Uh, uh, netted that well. I, I think it's also kind of significant because Costa Rica is not Mexico or Honduras or, or Colombia with a lot of expats in the United States. It's also significant that uh, 300 plus thousand people voted, uh, watched it on Unimas and on Univision Deportes, which was about, you know, a half the number on Big Fox. That's a pretty significant chunk that to me could have watched a match on Fox uh, because I don't think those are all Costa Rica fans. I think there's a lot of U.S. fans in that, uh, English-language-speaking U.S. fans, that opted to watch the match on Univision. So let's watch that trend the next time uh, we have a Fox Univision. Well, we've talked about this before during qualifying, right, a year and a half ago. Let's watch that trend again the next time we have Fox and Univision um, covering a U.S. match at the same time. All right, next, next up is Listener Mailbag. And uh, first up is Dave the K. 
And uh, last week, Kartik uh, Juan was on the uh, podcast. Uh, Dave says, uh, Juan Arango's description of varying broadcast styles was very interesting. Uh, of, uh, of shows, uh, it shows uh, how difficult marketing by language, for example, Spanish is. Since culture plays a, at least an equal part in people's acceptance, great episode. Uh, Monty says, great podcast, enjoyed the, ge- uh, the guest. Interesting about how broadcasters are different at different parts of South America, Mexico, and the United States, uh, but still missed uh, out hearing Kartik's opinions. Uh, you, you read a comment that I made on last week's podcast about La Liga TV. Apparently, I was not clear with the issue. I did not have any issues finding the channel in Sling's app. It's knowing what is on is the problem. Um, and he went ahead and attached a picture to kind of show me it never says what is showing on La Liga TV. I have learned that if a match is on in Spanish, go to La Liga TV uh, to watch it in English. And I assume that that is the world feed. So, so that's part of the issue, too. And I think a couple of other people uh, raised this, too, with La Liga TV is that the programming guides, so whether it's Fubo TV or Sling TV, um, were for the Bean Sports Connect channels, oftentimes are not very descriptive. It's very little information. So the best way to, to really, I mean, you can find it pretty easily, but the, it's really to hunt and peck and fig, to figure out, I mean, what times La Liga TV is on and what, what's uh, being connect station or channel number it's on. And then once you try to experiment for maybe, maybe, maybe 20 minutes or so uh, for a couple of days, you'll figure out when it's on, what channel it's on and, and which uh, to, be, to be able to go back to that all the time. Tim Keane says, while I agree with you that John Champion will be missed, I found that the Peter Drury-Jim Beglin uh, duo was an excellent combo. I also found Andy Townsend and Jim Proudfoot was so much better on Sunday morning than Arlo and his Merry Men. The NBCSN morning show with both uh, Andy Townsend and Neil Ashton, to me, is top class. A great addition uh, to Rebecca and her Merry Men. This is where... ESPN Plus falls short. There is no meaningful pregame show for any of their programs, particularly the FA Cup, uh, although ESPN FC ties, tries, but really uh, only after the games. Will they ever try something? So I think we mentioned in a few podcasts ago that Max Bredos tweeted out something to say that something was in the works about the FA Cup. So it sounds like they might be working on a uh, at least kind of a skeleton screw uh, <laughs> skeleton uh, crew of having a maybe some pre-match uh, analysis and talk maybe half time maybe post match for some of these bigger FA Cup games as they come along Rittick says uh, have you guys read the club uh, the book by Joshua Robinson and Jonathan Clegg. It's a great book that outlines the history of the Premier League and how it transformed English football. Even though I previously knew the basics about the league's formation, I learned a lot more while reading the book. And I think you guys and Will Soccer Talk podcast listeners would enjoy it as well. Kartik, I haven't read it. Um, I know of it. I- I've heard good things about it. Uh, you're a very voracious reader, Kartik. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, ha- I actually have the book on my Kindle, but haven't read it yet. Okay, all right. Time to, to move that one up. <laughs> Robert, yes, Kutova, yes. <laughs> Robert Kutova says, with the return of the Champions League on Turner next week, I think it would be interesting to get your insights on this topic. Like Turner's former TV broadcaster, Fox, didn't do a, a good job on filling in on what, what has happened since the group stages and the knockout rounds and treated topics months after they happened, like breaking news. How much attention will they put storylines like the Pulisic transfer and new players to the other teams? 
Man United sacking Jose Mourinho, Neymar's injury. Uh, they may only have so much time in their segment. Hope to hear your thoughts on this. Now, Karthik, that's probably a good question for uh, Bleacher Report and Turner Sports, the executive, when you, when you speak to him today. And we'll include that, po- that uh, interview on this podcast. But it, it is a good point because, I mean, they have no daily soccer news show, uh, just like Fox didn't either. Um, and it is one of those things. I mean, but then again, at the same time, you've got maybe so coverage starts at, uh, well, I guess the pregame coverage would probably start probably an hour before. You've got yeah. two games to analyze. And yes, I think you'll have moments to go ahead and reflect on some of the things that have happened. But then again, it's it's difficult. It is really difficult because you mean you don't want to be talking about news that happened two months ago, because most of the viewers tuning in already know about it. So they have to figure out a way to do it if they touch on it at all. Well, they have to at some point. So yeah, it's, it's, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do because they. It's almost as if they would need a separate show to lead into the knockout stage saying, hey, we last left you earlier in December. All of this has happened since uh, to, to get those storylines out. I, I think it's actually a good idea. I, mean, I, I assume they're not doing it uh, this time, uh, but the next two seasons in which they have the, the Champions League rights do something like that, perhaps a week out or right after the transfer window closes. Maybe they should do their own um, special on that because now in the rule change that UEFA has, has allowed, you can move from one Champions League club to another. Um, previously, if you transferred in January, you were cup-tied. That's not the case anymore. So now it has more pertinence than even when Fox had the rights. That's true. That's true. I, my thinking is is that they will find a way. It, it could be just, just kind of having something on the screen in terms of just a, um, you mean, here's what's happened, yeah, bullet points almost like here's what here's what's happened since the last um, uh, time we've done the coverage and with uh, you mean Man United new manager you mean playing a lot better uh, undefeated you mean something just just a uh, you mean just a screen just a page just so they that they can move into then going into the analysis or a really kind of the pre match analysis of what's what, what's coming up but um, yeah it is difficult it's very difficult uh, I don't envy their uh their position at all in terms of trying to figure out a way to do that next up is uh, john average geek he says uh, from what i understand the only soccer that flow sports had before dc united was uh b1g is that, i don't know if that's big 10 girls uh college soccer that was not on the uh big 10 g girls network uh not sure how good it is Raymond Orozco says, I consider myself a casual MLS soccer fan who watches about a game a week and as well as um, tuning into uh, MLS podcasts. And I would like to see the grow. Uh, I would like to see the league grow. I just don't know how I, I think the current system is restricted. I'm not a businessman or, a, or an economist, but if you look at things from a business perspective, in what industry does the little guy ever catch the big guy? We are led to believe that a slow growth system someday economically will be able to compete, but isn't that just protect, protectionism? If you and I were competing against each other in the manufacturing of any product and you had the 100-year head start and hundreds of millions of dollars advantage of attracting the best in the industry and you you consistently poached my best talent, in what industry would I ever be able to catch up to you? Why do you think it will work with soccer? 
he says, uh, goes on to say, do transfers help? And, and uh, are there any, uh, good investments for the selling club league? So he goes on and on and on. But it raises a good point too because um, in terms of Major League Soccer against, you mean some of the, I mean, whether it's La Liga, the Bundesliga, Serie A, you mean go down the list of all these leagues overseas, um, they, they can't compete. They can't compete in terms of quality. They can't compete in terms of coverage. They can't compete in terms of, uh, you mean, the amount of money they can spend on transfers. What they can compete with is South America. And, uh, and they can compete with South America in terms of whether it's the leagues in Argentina or Colombia or Venezuela. Um, and probably at some point in the future, perhaps, maybe, maybe Mexico. Uh, and to me, that's where they can, that they compete, and that's where they or I have an opportunity to to continue to really to buy some of those players from South America, bring them up into the United States League and to Major League Soccer, and to give them opportunities, and then eventually have those players then go on to Europe. So, but it's a good point, Raymond. And uh, I don't know, Kartik, if you have any thoughts on this in addition to what what I mentioned. Yeah, I, I agree completely with with both of your sentiments, uh, Raymond, and, and yours. I do have to say that based on my couple of days in the UK, despite not seeing uh, live matches, uh, the conversations I had with people, Miki Almarone has a lot on his shoulders. I think the entire reputation of whether MLS can be that that transitional league for for young talent from South America uh, to to then uh, be a shop window for them to move to top European leagues like the Premier League or Serie A or La Liga, Bundesliga, etc., um, really depends heavily on how he does at Newcastle, which is unfortunate. That's coming down to one player at a club which has a history of ruining good players. That's Newcastle United's history over the last, uh, since Sir Bobby Robson left or, or, or was sacked, really. Uh, but uh, a lot of riding on Al Moran with all of these, these conversations. Next up is uh, Hernan Husto, who says, first of all, I enjoy your podcast a lot. Uh, I can't wait to listen uh, every Thursday. I particularly enjoyed last week's episode with a guest co-host. Nothing against Kartik at all. Just the guy had different knowledge about uh, being Latino, and I am from Argentina. Don't pretend to argue because your co-host is a professional with many years of experience. But I will add my two cents here. Argentina's soccer shows um, and game broadcasts are, are, for me, not very professional. One thing is very uh, is very good is the production. Um, they have reporters on the pitch, uh, one for each team that they give you, and they and they give you information in advance, like uh, what the coaches tell the players to do, or if a substitution, you get uh, the information well in advance. Uh, they have full resumes of every player, so you know where they are coming from, how much uh, the transfer cost, those types of things, which I think lit, lit, I literally hate that uh, do not happen in English broadcasting. Um, so let me see if he has anything else here. So that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, Hernan was kind of commenting in terms of, uh, I mean, no country has perfect analysis of soccer. Um, a lot of it's in terms of different styles and what we're used to. Me personally, I hate the sideline reporter. Uh, sideline journalists that they have for a lot of the games in Major League Soccer or U.S. Men's National Team or U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, they, they rarely add any value or any insight, uh, but maybe in Argentina, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe they, ha they have more knowledge of the game or maybe they have more more sources or whatever it may be. Uh, I just find that position kind of... Um, yeah, not not beneficial in any in any way, but uh, but good comments there from Hernan. So, listeners, you can always reach us through email through web 
at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. We'd love to get your feedback. So whether you have, uh, whether you see anything interesting in the, even watching soccer from around the world, whether it's uh, uh, games or programs or anything that uh, you find interesting, let us know about. We'd love to, to read that out on air, as well as get any uh, uh, questions you may have or uh, rants and raves. If, if you agree with us, disagree with us, uh, we'd love to read that out, out on air. And Kartik, moving on, uh, we've now got the interview with uh, Travis Retke, who is from Bleach Report and Turner uh, TNT. We did interview him, actually I interviewed him I think a couple months ago uh, to get some better insight in terms of his how, how they cover the Champions League. And it's been a couple of months, so it's a great opportunity for you to, uh, to talk to him, to learn more about uh, what's up with uh, Bleach Report and TNT and how they cover the Champions League. Here we go. Okay, Travis, uh, you've been at this a couple of months now with Bleacher Report Live and TNT. What have been the early returns in terms of uh, increased interest in traffic uh, on Bleacher Report sites and uh, in terms of social media and fan engagement? So, yeah, first off, I'd just like to say thanks for having me back on. Really appreciate it. Um, kind of chomping at the bit to get back to our coverage. So, uh, one of the great things about having uh, the Champions League distribution rights in the States is it, it enables us to really elevate the game to a more casual fan base uh, on the VR audience or in the VR audience. So VR football, obviously, they're, they're diehard soccer fans, the people that we, we know know the game well. But it's provided us with the opportunity to, to put a, a plan together, but also to surface highlights and content to the more casual fan in the States. Uh, and we're seeing that people are engaging with that content Increasingly so as they become more familiar with the players and the storylines. But also we know that it's part of our job and uh, part of our role as a rights holder and somebody who wants to grow the sport of the game in the States to try new things and to create new content that our fans or our casual or basketball fans aren't necessarily as familiar with. So it's for us, it's kind of a, a constant test of What's the best way to position the game? What are the best personalities to focus on? What are the best stories to tell that can get soccer fans and casual sports fans more excited about the game? Obviously, now you've had two months to reflect on the group stage. What have you guys learned uh, now that you've had two months to think about what worked and what didn't, what didn't with your presentation style, uh, rather than the quick two-week or 12-day turnaround between uh, broadcast during the group stage? Uh, have you learned anything? Are you going to make any changes uh, for the knockout stages? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think we're in a, a unique position in covering the Champions League uh, that's not, I guess it's, it's similar to some leagues in Europe, but having this two-month break really gives us the opportunity uh, as what we basically are is, is, is kind of a startup in terms of covering the sport uh, in the States from a broadcaster standpoint to really learn from our, our first few months, uh, take stock in what worked, what didn't work, get feedback from from people like you and, and, and our fans to, to, uh, to really you know, craft a better strategy for the spring. I uh, wouldn't say if there's any wholesale changes that, that we've, we've implemented, but there are definitely things that we've learned from. Uh, it's funny, I was, I was catching up with Pete Nash a couple weeks ago on, on kind of how things went, what we can work on for, for these next couple weeks and what we can focus on in the spring. And, and he positioned it, he's like, I feel like we just wrapped up our first semester 
which is actually an interesting <laughs> way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we've got the winter break to focus on things, but it's also like, it's a learning experience, and that's kind of how we take this. Uh, but we take it a lot more seriously than it's not just education for us. It's creating a better product for our fans, too. So I just thought that that was a good way to, to position it. But we're um, in, in looking at, like, specifics to programming itself, I think one thing that we, we learned and we heard and we need to get better at is our halftime uh, coverage. And I think that just the format that we had led to it being a little bit too clunky. Uh, one thing that we're, we're focusing on is really just opening up that segment to focus strictly on highlights and analysis as opposed to kind of jumping around and trying to cover a couple of things. So that's one thing we're definitely doing. Uh, I do think at times we try to be a little bit too much, uh, like create content that would live both well on social and TV and it kind of muddied things at times. Uh, so learning what content is best for social, what content is best for TV, but then also identifying whether it's pre-produced uh, segments or storytelling segments or the champions or, or um, other things like the recreations and figuring out the best time to use that. But then also set our talent up to have some really engaging conversations and analysis that we can then utilize on our social channels. But but for me, it, it's less about trying to force certain content and more just letting it naturally play out. And that's um, that's some of the stuff that we've, we've thought about and that we're, we're taking into next week. Let's talk a little bit about your talent uh, on your broadcast, uh, your television broadcast, specifically on TNT. Uh, my observation, and again, maybe this is just my observation and my personal preferences, I, I found the uh, brought the pregame, postgame match, uh, halftime shows much more informative when Tim Howard is in the studio rather than not in the studio. Uh, my question is, uh, with him and his schedule with the Colorado Rapids, this will be his final season. But you, again, will have some Tuesdays yeah. potentially where you don't have him. Um, have you thought about how you format the show and how you use your talent when he's not there? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've, I've, uh, I hear you a lot clear on the thing that you were saying about Tim. Uh, definitely heard you say that a few times this fall and, and, uh, and agree that Tim brings a lot to the show. I think he brings a lot in terms of experience, a lot in terms of analysis, and I think he's just a really entertaining and great personality. Uh, but I also think that you know, Tim was involved in every single show for the last two match days, uh, but I also think at that point that our our talent was a lot more comfortable and had a lot better rapport with one another. So I do think that a lot of the, the earlier struggles that we had in terms of uh, being able to not necessarily go as deep as we wanted to go was just a matter of everybody getting comfortable with one another. So uh, while I feel like Tim brings a lot to the show, I also think if you look at somebody like Carlos, who's just tactically inclined in the way that he thinks about and approaches everything, and then you look at somebody like Stu, who I think is the best color analyst uh, for live broadcasts in sports, and when you give him the opportunity to break stuff down, he does a great job, and that's kind of the way he thinks about things. Uh, I think it was more a matter of getting everybody comfortable with their roles and how they can contribute and less a matter of, of him kind of being the catalyst that drove great conversation. Um, not to say that, like I said earlier, I think Tim's, Tim's a great addition to the show. I wish we could have him every day, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to having that opportunity hopefully soon. But uh, in terms of bringing guests on or having more people involved to kind of change up the pace when Tim's not there, we're definitely interested in doing that. And, and it's not just bringing people in who've got experience uh, playing, but also people who we see that could be great ambassadors of the game for uh, non-diehard fans of the sport. So whether it's somebody like we, we brought in Dominican Sue or Jay Ajayi in the fall, 
uh, or it's a, a particular athlete, comedian, musician who's got an interesting take on the sport, whether that content is for the show itself or whether it's for our broader coverage on social, we'd love to have more people involved in the spring, and I think that that's, uh, that's definitely going to be an area of focus for us. But for me, it's focusing more on the quality of the guest and the, what they can contribute, whether it's from a cultural or an analytic standpoint, and figuring out how they best fit in there. We've got a listener question from Robert Cordova, and he wanted to know, uh, really kind of to summarize his thoughts, uh, will you have some sort of special look or uh, in-depth look at, at transfers and the changes that have been made uh, since, uh, since December, uh, player transfers, et cetera, and, and Jose Mourinho being sacked uh, and, and personnel changes like that? Yeah, so I think if it's relevant to whatever games are going on, we should definitely bring people up to speed and give our takes on it. I, I think for me, it's, it's less on what are people's takes uh, or what's our talent's take on Mourinho getting fired in December or Pulisic getting uh, or transfer hit the transfer to Chelsea that's going to take place in the fall. It's more how does things that happened in the recent past impact whatever you're going to see that day. So I'm actually more interested in having a conversation about how United are playing under Solskjaer and how certain players are, are just playing completely differently or what the, right. what his tactics are versus what Mourinho was doing than spending more time talking about Mourinho and how things went earlier this year. Or the fact that Alfonso Davies just got named to Bayern's uh, Champions League squad is actually it's a really interesting piece of news, right? Uh, as, as he's a, as a big-name transfer coming over from North America to, to Europe. So for me, it's... I don't want to play out old takes that have already been talked about uh, ad nauseum, ad nauseum, but I do want us to, to to make sure that we have opinions and update our audience on things that are relevant to whatever they're going to see that day. Uh, you know, we only got so much time to cover uh, whatever we got to cover for that particular day. I'm very happy that we're only covering two games a day now. It allows us to go <laughs> deeper and have some more interesting chats. Uh, I think that'll probably satisfy you guys as well in terms of, of where we can go for some depth of analysis, but In terms of your pregame and post-match shows, have you thought about expanding them uh, as you get deeper into the knockout stages and maybe uh, offering something on BR Live that you don't offer on TNT in terms of uh, pregame and post-match? Yeah, yeah. So I would say expanding the linear uh, offering in terms of an hour pregame and a half-hour post-match, not in our plans right now, uh, but definitely taking advantage of the fact that we have some really smart, really engaging people on set and creating stuff for whether it's BR BR Live, whether it's BR Football, whether it's BR. Um, definitely some stuff that we experimented with in the fall that I would like to get, start making more regular content with, just because we've got some great opportunities, especially if we bring some guests on um, to do more stuff than just your traditional broadcast. So, something we're keeping in mind. We have some plans that we're trying to think through right now for the final. Um, would love to do something for that, but uh, I think we'll probably have a better idea on where we are with that in the coming weeks. Great. And then um, the final thing for me today, and and this is to me very, very exciting. I'm not sure if all our listeners are aware of this yet, but uh, the E-League, they're going to be airings on TBS coming up whenever in the summer or in the fall, uh, which is essentially based around the FIFA video game, uh, the E-Sports FIFA video game. Will there be cross-promotion between TNT and Bleacher Report Live and what you do uh, on TBS with E-League? And to me, this is, a, this is an enhanced soccer offering and, and a real sign of Turner's commitment to, to soccer in general. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Uh, 
already shot some stuff that we'll be using as promotional footage for uh, our tournaments that we're going to be hosting later this spring. Uh, we definitely want to have more involvement, whether it's with professional uh, elite players that are playing FIFA or uh, having elements of FIFA or soccer video games incorporated into the show. It's something we'd love to do. We find that people react to that content really well on VR and VR football. And I definitely know that for a lot of people, they initially get into the game, get to know the players, get to know the teams through FIFA. Uh, and I think that trying to come up with creative ways to integrate that into our show, but also cross-promote some of the relationships that we have is something we, we definitely need to do. Fantastic, Travis. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to, to talk to us again, and we'll probably do this again uh, as we approach the, uh, the Champions League final. Yeah, happy to chat with you guys. Always happy to come on. Thanks for doing it. Um, I'm excited to actually start covering the sport again next week and stop talking about it. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you to Tuna Sports for allowing us to to talk to Travis Recky about uh, Bleach Report and the Champions League and uh, TNT. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. We're also in the process of adding it to Spotify, so you can listen to it there. Uh, as well as Google Home. If you have a Google Home device, you can tell it to go ahead and play World Soccer Talk and we'll queue up the, the next episode. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review, review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. In Kartik, heading into another week of football from around the world, um, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.